You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Is time just a construct? Does it revolve around an exploding star kept in stasis, or is it a program kept in a supercomputer? Is Flux your favorite Doctor Who car? Hey guys, today no. we're going to be discussing the origins of time, the cosmology of Doctor Who, everyone's favorite stories with the Timeless Child and Flux, as well as actual good Doctor Who stories. This is Systematic Geekology. <laughs> we are your priest to the geeks. Um, I'm Joshua Knoll. I have been geeking out on a lot lately. Uh, I'll tell you, it actually, it hasn't been Flux as much as I do like Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. But recently I was at Comic-Con and I discovered um, Alyssa Wong. Which it turns out I have read some of her stuff before. I just uh, I'm bad with authors' names, and I found some of her short stories, and I'm super excited to include one of them, in an episode I'm going to be doing soon with Christian and some other people. And we're talking about some short stories and a uh, really good writer. Speaking of really good writers, I am here with uh, a wonderful co-host, your favorite, the host with the most, Christian Ashley. How's it going, man? All right, Joshua. I got to go to the convention too, even though what? I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and TJ, who was supposed to be there, wasn't there. So you just kind of stepped in and said, you know what? We're going to upgrade this to a Christian episode. <laughs> yeah. Now, when TJ can't be there, you know, you call in the C team. <laughs> the the A team? Christian Ashley? No, no. The C team. I, I can't possibly compare to the greatest <laughs> co-host of all time. Uh, yes. And if you don't understand that reference, listen to more episodes with TJ. Actually, I have been geeking out on Pluto, which oh. is... Uh, a recent dog. Netflix anime based on a manga um, written by one of my favorite mangaka who has written 20th Century Boys, oh. which I'm really hoping this does well. So that gets animated too. So Pluto. Sorry, Joshua, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, speaking of animes, another show that was part of our cosmology origins things, we, we did talk about the origins of One Piece earlier in the year before the Netflix dropped and did the exact same story arc. And we're like, man, should we cover that arc again? We're thinking about it, if you're wondering. If you want to hear the rest of our origins and cosmology episodes, though, there is a show link down below with this whole series on our year of origins and cosmologies. With that, let's jump into this, Christian. Anyway, come on. How long is he? Um, when we're discussing the cosmology in the beginning of time and Doctor Who, an entire one of the maybe one of the biggest pillars of sci-fi and fandoms ever um, is Doctor Who. It's been on 60 years now. We're about to have our 60th year anniversary. Um, it's it's a huge, wonderful, beautiful show that we both are very passionate and love quite a lot. And the series revolves around time travelers, time lords, um, going through time and relative dimensions in space. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. And with that, you have to wonder, how did time begin? If you're going to talk about time for 60 years at some point, you have to discuss how time began. So we have five main points we're going to talk about today where they touch on the beginnings of time. We're going to talk about the Eye of Harmony. And how Rassilon kind of created time, maybe, maybe he didn't, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk about the Matrix, the Time Matrix, the Time and Space Matrix, I suppose is the correct name of it. Um, the Time Lock during the Time War, the Timeless Child, we are actually going to talk about that, as well as when the Doctor visited the beginnings of Earth, with the Big Bang and Earth having amino acid goo and all that good stuff. But let's start this off, Christian, with the Eye of Harmony. What all do you know about Rassilon creating the Eye of Harmony and all that stuff? I'm trying to remember when this happens, because all this stuff kind of runs together. Is this more new yeah. Who, or is this from old Who? I, I believe this is more old Who. Um, weirdly enough, okay. so the Rassilon stuff, and I didn't even realize this, a lot of it was old Who. 
And then we have a huge gap right. in the Rassilon story if you only watch the show, because it starts showing you after he resurrected, and you have to kind of read the comics and do some of the audiobooks to figure out what happened in between those things. Yeah, because I watched all the old Who that is actually still surviving to this day Yeah, about almost nine years ago. So it has been some time <laughs> since I've seen it. So I'll yeah. be relearning some stuff today. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I know I'm a huge geek. I have a bunch of DVDs of the classic. I even have some that we're not allowed to have in America. I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely don't have my PlayStation set to UK so that I can actually watch them because they won't let you watch it of on an American not. PlayStation. And I, there's no reason why I would know that either. Um, <laughs> nope. But the Eye of Harmony stuff, um, some of it comes up before the Three Doctors episode. So for if you don't know, the big specials back in the day was the Five Doctors and Three Doctors. The Five Doctors were when the first Five Doctors got together and did a special together. It was like a kind of a Doctor Who movie. Um, but it wasn't an actual movie. There is a Doctor Who movie, but that was just a eighth Doctor. Um, the three Doctors, I think it was later on, and it wasn't like three consecutive Doctors or anything. It was like five, two, and three or something. I don't remember who which Doctors were in the three Doctors. That was later on. Um, and we kind of do that again when you get to the 50th year anniversary, but it's not called the two and a half Doctors or anything. It just happens to have three Doctors, sort of, um, depending on how you count. Doctor Who is not great at counting, so when we say 11, we mean 12, no. and when we say 13, we mean 14, and when we say 14, <laughs> we mean 23. Um, <laughs> and after the timeless child, we don't know what the numbers yeah, really are. We don't even know. Now we're just saying numbers for the sake of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but the Eye of Harmony happened partially before, partially during the Three Doctors um, episode. So Rassilon kind of, and other, Rassilon and Friends, what I'm going to go with because I don't I know Omega was one one was the other I don't remember who else but um they end up kind of discovering how to control time more or less time lords is not just a name it is they literally did try to become lords of time um mm -hmm. Rassilon tried to create a web by suspending time in one place around an exploding star, creating a black hole, which provided the energy that they use to kind of travel the web of time that branches out from the exploding star. And they actually keep that crystallized as the Eye of Harmony within the tower on Gallifrey. If you don't know Doctor Who, all of that might've just sound like weird mumbo jumbo, but um, time travel planet has a crystal of a suspended star that's kind of a black hole with all of time expanding from it and they use this crystal's energy to travel the web of time to any time and place they kind of know about it because it already exists it's very time loop paradoxy yeah do you remember any and of that's that? one thing doctor who has always had a problem with is <laughs> is it stable time loop is are we creating one are we creating alternate branching timelines who knows it's it depends oh, on yeah. who's writing sometimes it's in a supercomputer which is why i i maintain the the best line is when david Tennant does the time's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly stuff because it was like the show writers finally decided you know what we're just going to admit that we don't know what time is <laughs> yes which is my preferred method is just say we don't actually know a lot of things work because we say so. It's kind of like uh, what would they ask uh, one of the creators of Star Trek for the like the technical stuff was like, how do the transporters work or something like that? Uh, just fine. Thank you. Was the answer. Because <laughs> obviously oh, we don't God, have the technology to make them. Yeah. So they just work. <laughs> I love it. Um so yeah, there's a lot of stuff here just from the beginning of our discussion I want to go ahead and unpack early on. Um, Rassilon, what do you know about Rassilon, who he is in the High Council of the Time Lords, etc., as far as that back lore there? 
Well, he's one of those divisive characters in the fact that it really depends on who's writing him. Is he someone who actually cares about Gallifrey and the Time Lords? Is he someone who's only looking after himself? We get all points of view. Like mostly I would edge towards he's a very prideful guy who thinks his way is of doing things is right. And there's this young upstart who always comes here all the time named the doctor who really throws plans off the, the rails. So they don't have the best of relationships. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> this is where we're going to have some fun conversations. To me, Rassilon is the absolute worst version of predestination. <laughs> um, it is if you take God out of the equation, what predestination could be, because he does this sort of number of hi. I'm Rassilon. Because I've always been the one to create and control time, I must then control time and create it. So I'm going to do this thing because I've always done it. And it's not evil because it's just a set point. I have to do this thing. When realistically, it's because he wants to have control and hoard it over everybody. Yeah, he is a huge control freak. Yeah, definitely. Always a bit of a control freak. He He's very much... Things have to happen in a certain order. Our job as Time Lords is to lord over time and make sure it happens. Basically, like Loki, sacred timeline, once everything's happened a certain way. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he's always on top, that he wants everything to happen that certain way. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course not at all. Also, if you thought everything with He Who Remains was original, it's not. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> sorry, Loki fans. Um, but yeah, that's sort of Rassilon's whole deal. As far as like the beginning of time, you know, we mentioned they keep kind of rewriting how time works during Doctor Who and all of that. Um, but as Christians and as people who are deep thinkers, this is something we struggle with as well. So there's two different layers. There is philosophy of time. How does time exist? How does it work? And then as Christians, we also have to think, how does God relate to time? Is God outside of time? Did he create time? Does God have his own timeline? And there are a lot of different Christian thoughts on how God relates to time outside of our regular philosophies of time. So it's fun for this show because we just get to sit in the philosophy part. But always in the back of my mind, I'm like, how does this philosophy match up with how I think my theolo theology of God works? Um, and I think it's a little bit easier for me than some people. If you think God is outside of time, that makes a lot of philosophies a lot harder, especially the ones that they play with in Dr. So they kind of play with this idea of... Um, like the box theory, I forget what it's actually called, but all time kind of being mushed together and kind of able to travel someplace. Things, some things are set points and you can't change and some are more flexible, but it's like one big box of just time exists altogether. Would you say that's mm -hmm. correct in how Doctor Who yes. interprets it? Um, For the most part, like there are fixed points. Things are supposed to happen this way. Like you can be present for them, but you can't change them too much. And if you do, you create an alternate timeline or you end up destroying time itself, maybe. Yeah. So I, <laughs> which is important to think about as we go through this. And I want to go ahead and get our views out of the way as we go through this, because I'm sure we're going to keep coming back to it. Um, personally, I think everything has a temporal part. I don't think time really exists. I think it's more of a construct of our minds. Um, just like, you know, I exist in the three dimensions that you see. I also exist in time. I have certain temporal parts, but it's not something that's changeable. It's just I have those parts. Um, I would also say that God has temporal parts. They're just not in our temporal parts because he exists without our dimension. He is not reliant on our dimension because our dimension is reliant on him because I believe in creation ex nihilo and everything coming from nothing and God just creating it, which means he created all of our temporal parts. But for God to exist... By how I define existence, he necessarily would have temporal parts himself. And just some of how the Bible describes things, it just makes sense that he would have his own temporal parts. Yeah. Yeah. But um, maybe more aware of them because he's God. True. Uh, for me, God exists inside of eternity. 
which is something I cannot grasp yet. I cannot reach yet because I'm outside of it. I am in this thing we call time where things go forward progressing since the beginning of time being created as a thing. How the heck does all that work? I am not a physicist. That is not my <laughs> thing. That involves math. Math is the devil and the devil is bad. <laughs> Therefore, I don't study it. <laughs> do you think of time as like more linear though, usually? Um, yeah, yes, I do think it more linearly in that it is progressing towards the end of whenever, you know, new heaven, new earth come. And then the, we are inside of eternity in that uh, moment. Um, just to go ahead and explain where I'm coming from, why I think the temporal parts thing. Um, we do know when things experience different layers of gravity and different things that they age at a different rate, which... A lot of people used to say, oh, that must mean time travel is possible because it moved through time differently. I more think, well, that just suggests time's not a thing and it's just it had temporal parts and it experienced things differently because all of our dimensions kind of rely on one another, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's just when we think of those kind of things. So when you think of like how something's able to be in a different orbit and experience time different, like when we have a clock in an outer orbit, it clearly is moving at a different pace than a clock in our orbit. Um, how do you interpret these kind of things of like gravity and stuff affecting time? Does that affect how you think of it linearly or is it just kind of a interesting? But like, you know, as far as where I am in the universe, yeah, it has a meaning and that there are certain planets, their orbit is very different than Earth. So my time there is going to be different. Or if we were able to achieve light speed or something like that, I would age way slower than someone who is experiencing normal time. From what I understand, from what little I've studied, yeah, that's how it would work. So. How does that work exactly? I have no clue. I will do the best I can. <laughs> um, also, shameless plug for both of us. Uh, I'll start with mine is uh, I have another podcast, Dummy for Theology, where I talk about uh, Genesis 1 so far, basically. <laughs> and uh, the episode is When Even Is God? And I do talk about some of the different philosophies of time and get more into my thoughts in depth there. And Christian also has a podcast, Let Nothing Move You, where he's talked about Genesis 1 and necessarily has talked about gap theory and evolution and all that. And we'll get to more of that when we talk about the Big Bang later this episode. Yeah, if you want uh, a bunch of questions asked and no answers given, <laughs> go to Dummy for Theology. Yeah. If you want a bunch of questions asked <laughs> and a very biased opinion, come to Let Nothing Move You. <laughs> I will never answer anything on Dummy for Theology. It's my entire mission. <laughs> I made the podcast specifically to irritate Christian. <laughs> It's the most infuriating oh. thing in the world. I listen to it every time it shows up on my feed. Well, good news. More episodes are coming soon. I've been kind of on a slight hiatus, but soon. Excellent. Okay. Uh, moving forward, Rassilon in the Matrix. So we talked about Rassilon a little bit, who he was kind of, he's the president of Gallifrey. Usually there was one time the doctor was president. Um, there is Briefly. the Matrix. What is the Matrix? Great question. It's kind of a supercomputer that Time Lords just have. It stores time and also tells them every single possible future, and it's what lets them know what are or are not set points in time. When Rassilon dies a physical death the first time, yes, the first time, I said, <laughs> his consciousness and regeneration energy is kind of transferred to the Matrix. Uh, for those who don't know, in Time Lords and Doctor Who have the ability to regenerate, um, the lore at one point was that they could regenerate up to 12 times, and we kind of discover that that's not always true. They're able to make exceptions because they have access to the Matrix, and that is what gives them the energy for regeneration. So it's basically a almost pseudo-religious rule that they only get 12 regenerations, and if you're good enough, we'll give you more because we need you around. Um, Rassilon, whenever he died his physical death the last time, he is in the Matrix. Um, Christian, what do we think of a time matrix? Time and space matrix, I think, is right? Yeah, it's for him. It's that whole thing of well, continuing that part of that being that control freak is that 
this is what I want to happen. So I'm going to maneuver things this way. Like even my own death is going to lead things to where I want them to be. So I will come back and it's going to be because the doctor helped or because I've got all these other pieces working here. They may not know everything that's going on, but I'm coming back and I'm going to be in charge again. So when it comes to that whole thing, it's, well, who do we want to have control of that power is a huge question. I know that's another question you're going to be asking about time itself. How should we use it if we were able to? <laughs> yes. But Rassilon would not be towards the top of my list. No, you don't? You don't think so? There's a um, there's actually a comic out there with the Eighth Doctor, which I love the Eighth Doctor. I wish there was more of him. And yes. most Whovians feel the same way. Also, Whovians are the term for Doctor Who fans. Uh, it's way cooler than Disnerds. I hate that I'm stuck with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the comic, from the Matrix, he's able to basically send messages to the TARDIS and is more or less controlling the Doctor with, this is what the Time Lords say. You need to go do this now. You need to do this now. And he's kind of able to puppet string um, I think it actually makes a good point of how people do have power after death. Uh, maybe not literally in that way of a subconscious in a supercomputer, but I think we all do have some kind of agency. Even after our death, we still continue to affect those things around us, which is part of why I hate the YOLO thing. I have many reasons why I hate YOLO, but a large one is even if I don't believe in an afterlife, everything I do in this life does have impact even after I die will continue to have impact on things because butterfly effect is real. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Christian, are you going to put your consciousness into the time-space matrix when you die? I would not trust myself to be in that position of power. Ah, yeah, that's fair. Me either. For the record, don't be looking for me in the matrix. Also, any messages you get from me after death are not coming from the matrix, I swear. Um, the time lock. <laughs> we said we were going to talk about the time lock as well. Um, this is the last of the cool things we're going to talk about, I think. Um, actually, no, we get to talk about the Earth stuff later. But Gallifrey was in a giant time war. So if you don't know, Classic Who lasted 40-ish years, 30-ish years, something. Um, yeah, then it kind of had a hiatus. You had that movie with the Eighth Doctor that I mentioned. You have Rassilon coming up in that comic. Um, and then you get the new series and you find out there was some kind of time war and now the Doctor is the last time war. We're all confused by that. We all want to know where Gallifrey is. It's just gone. There's a whole mystery. We get several seasons in before we get any real hints of what happened. And it turns mm -hmm. out that Gallifrey was in what's called a time war with the Daleks. The Daleks being the exterminate R2D looking, R2D2 looking robots in space that with are also plungers. aliens. Yes, trash cans with plungers that can kill you. Um, <laughs> Way more terrifying the, than they look. That's true. They, um, but it, during the time war, the Time Lords and Gallifrey ends. And yes, there are people on Gallifrey who are not Time Lords. It's not a species. It's a rank maybe i don't know how you would say that they they came to a lot of desperate measures to try and you know not have all of time erased that kind of thing and one of those desperate measures was bringing people back from the dead they resurrected <clears throat> time lords because remember they have the regeneration ability they're like yeah actually yeah, let's give them some extra regenerations and one of them of course was the desperate one they needed desperately rassilon <laughs> christian I think everybody knows how I feel about consequentialism and that kind of thing of the ends justify the means. But uh, so you want to talk some about how, how do you feel about this? When it comes to war, and I know this is in our current geopolitical situation, a very touchy subject. So we're not going to do yes. our world, but we'll talk about Gallifreyan's world. Is there yes. a place for that kind of argument of the bad guys will do anything? So what will we do to win? Is there a place for consequentialism? Is there a place for... No, actually, sometimes we just got to do what we got to do. Yes. If you have people around you who can call you out, who you will listen to and are able to override your more uh, loosely interpreted ways of, in, of 
having war. Mm. Now, that is a huge ask. That is something that I don't know if there's anyone alive today I would truly trust with that power. Mm -hmm. But I think it's possible. It's just you need a lot of super specific people around that person who can shut them down when need to. They would be willing to listen to those people mm -hmm. and you get stuff done. Now, how do you actually get that done? We well, got to have the right person in power for that. Rassilon, not your best answer there. But it's that thing of when you're pushed to the brink, what do you do? Because if the Daleks win, that's extermination for everything, all life ever gone. So what do you do? Like our tactics aren't working. Well, what if we use someone we don't, we don't really like, but they may tell us to do the things we don't want to do, then that's actually going to help us win the war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to get a lot into the time war really quick. <laughs> I say really quick, uh, quickish. Um, yes. I... I, this is probably my most extreme view is just how much against consequentialism I am. I think that I think it takes extreme arrogance to believe the ends justify the means because the reason correct process and correct procedures matter is because they do produce the best ends in the end. <laughs> um, I, I just think that that is true. And the times that it seems like it's not true means that you probably have the wrong means and you actually just need to rethink things. Um, so for this situation, I, I, ironically, I actually do think the right thing would still be bringing Rassilon back. But that's because I think uh, if you have the ability to have life or end life, you should always give life. That's just for me. That's just a principle that I stand by. So if I'm in a situation, if I were in their situation, I would have had Rassilon back a long time ago and been trying to rehabilitate him because that's what I believe is the correct procedures in the first place. And then when the war came around. Maybe he'd be slightly more re rehabilitated, maybe not, but I, I would still have Rassilon there. So I, I actually wouldn't end up with much different of a situation. However, we do see where Rassilon is the extreme consequentialist. He is because time will end, everything is justified, we're going to wipe them out, as well as several planets. Multiple planets were wiped from existence during the time war, which is when the doctor made the ultimate decision of, yeah, actually the best thing to do both sides are create are causing mass genocide. The correct thing is to actually wipe both sides out um, because of the version of just war that I believe in, which is St. Augustine's and not. Well, why can't I say that Thomas Aquinas Aquinas? Is it Aquinas or Aquinas? Aquinas. Aquinas. <laughs> not Thomas Aquinas's version. I just refuse to say his name correctly, apparently, because I just don't want to remember <laughs> TJ or any of his teachings. Oh, but. Yeah, the Just War version that St. Augustine had, I think, is usually right. Maybe not always. Usually right. And I think in this instance, um, it was just to wipe out both sides because they're creating mass genocide. How do you stand on a, the doctor's decisions and everything else that happened with the Time War? I get it. Like brought to that brink of what am I supposed to do? I just want to adventure and have fun and, you know, explore new places. And I'm stuck in this. And all I see are people on both sides. Obviously, I don't ever want the Daleks to win because I know exactly who they are. Yeah. But do I really want the Time Lords to win if this is how they're going to rule and reshape the universe and their image? Mm -hmm. After all this is happening, wouldn't it be better if somehow someone was able to stop both from existing at all? Even though we know both come back eventually. But that being what it is, I understand his point of view there. Like, they've got to be stopped. Now, that comes at the result of a lot of civilians on Gallifrey being killed in the crossfire. So that's a very tough point of view yeah. there. The ends justify the means in the doctor's mind of, I don't particularly want them to die, but it gets rid of the, the people in charge who would be taking over the universe and then saying, okay, Dalek's gone. 
Time Lords are in charge. We're going to do whatever we want. And is that necessarily a good thing? Not with the leadership they had. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult situation that the doctor was in here. But it's interesting because he, he not only did he sacrifice all those people, the innocent people, and that is terrible. He also himself sacrificed because he knows he is now the last of his own kind. He has no one else after this. And they really push the weight of that throughout the New Who series um, up until the Capaldi stuff where he was able to kind of fix it. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's intense and it's definitely a difficult situation. Um, I still agree with the doctor in the end. But when we think of like time being able to just cease and people committing genocide, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm with them. Um, and we, we got to, to scripture for that, too. Mm -hmm. uh, several times over, you know, the people of Israel are told to commit genocide against uh, the Canaanites and the people, you know, in the land there. And like uh, we look at that today and go, oh, no, that's terrible. But we also see what happens when they go half hearted about it, kill a couple of people, leave a couple alive. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, they start influencing their culture, influencing their decisions. They start worshiping false gods. And so you see, oh, yeah. this is why God wanted them gone. Same thing with the Amalekites with Saul. It's like, hey, they attacked Israel forever ago. They're going to do it again. They've done it to countless other people, wipe them out. They're not good. And we go, wait, we shouldn't be, be trying to save these people. But that doesn't really exist, that point of view in that time in the world. So I don't particularly like the fact these people had to die. I know where they're going when they die. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to be faithful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two of, uh, <laughs> two of my favorite modern day biblical theologians are on different sides on some of this stuff that I, I just it's so fun. When they disagree, um, you can you can see some of it in. Um, so it's Temper Longman and the third and Pete ends. Temper Longman is conservative ish and Pete ends is more progressive ish. I say ish for both. Neither are very either, in my opinion. Um, but Pete ends is very much on the side of, yeah, the biblical history isn't meant to be literal. All this other stuff. And Temper Longman actually has won me over on this of. If it's not literal, why does there so many places in the Psalms and different things that use these as examples of why God is good? If those are examples of why God is good and they didn't really happen, is God really good? And I'm like, man, that's a that's a valid point. And also, ah, man, I hate believing that God wanted genocide. <laughs> yes. Like, I do hate that. And it it is. Yeah, I'm not fully convinced one way or the other, but I, I mostly think Tipper Longman is pretty right. But, man, I, I, I don't want it to be right. Yeah. That's just a really honest moment for everybody. Um, but in this instance, uh, yeah, I think God wanted the doctor to wipe out a, both of them. I think, think he would agree um, because all of creation was at stake. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's not really as much origins as much as it is cosmology because, you know, everything could have ended there. We do get some more cosmology as the story kind of progresses. So Rassilon is back. Um, actually, I do got to throw in the things with Peter Capaldi. He actually finds out how to unlock the time lock. So he's able to get Gallifrey back after the war, which means he won't be the last Time Lord again. He's able to kind of save them mm -hmm. with like a loophole. But he's blocked off by Rassilon in a trap where he ends up having to spend millions of years constantly sacrificing himself over and over and over in a time loop to eventually break through. And it's it's just such a um, it's one of the most rewarding moments in TV when he gets to see Rassilon and just kind of refuses to speak to. Him. And Rassilon has this whole like <laughs> army set up like we're just going to annihilate the doctor. And they just kind of all slowly switch to the doctor's side. <laughs> and you're like, mm -hmm. mm, yep, yep. It's, it's one of those 
and this is might be sound weird, but Doctor Who actually is a show that helped me understand what the Bible means when it says fear of the Lord, like not being scared of the Lord, but um, God is righteous. And when, when you're not on his side, oh, no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there, there, there is a reason to to want to be on his side, and that was very much the doctor in that moment. We know the doctor would not kill Rassilon, but also, yep, nope, I'm not on that side right now. <laughs> this guy literally spent yeah. millions of years to break through a trap. Nah, I'm with him. <laughs> I'd rather live. Yep, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know it's not good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, man, if you haven't seen the the end of the Capaldi run, please, please watch it. It is so good. Um, the Timeless Child, however. Not as good. <laughs> so Jody Whittaker takes over after Capaldi, who is sort of the twelfth Doctor, maybe. So, so Whittaker's sort of the thirteenth, maybe. Um, we call her thirteen, um, which is fitting because she had an unlucky run um, because she was an Indeed. excellent actress. I think everyone agrees she was excellent. The filmography, I also agree. will say, the cinema, cinematography, excellent. Like the way they shot some of these things, like it is the largest the Doctor Who universe ever felt. And yet somehow the stories were so just, I don't want to say dumb. Frustrating. I know some people love it and I don't want to be disrespectful to those fans. But yeah, it did frustrate me. I was never able to make sense of it. And I just, I really just didn't like the show for a few years there. Yeah. And during those years, they had a storyline, The Timeless Children. Christian, please unpack what this is and let them know how much you love um, what Chris Chibnall did with this show. So <laughs> in a massive retcon, that does have precedence within a series uh old who there's an episode called brain of morbius or something like that where we're shown uh what is kind of hinted to be like doctors before the first doctor in this moment that has never really picked up on since then it was retconned away and said no that's actually they're talking about morbius instead uh, but what has happened here is that we get the idea that there were incarnations <laughs> of the Doctor before the first Doctor, uh, starting as a young girl who is found by our proto before they became Time Lords, if I'm remembering correctly, and found that, oh, she mm-hmm. can regenerate. She has this massive power we don't have. So we're going to study this mm-hmm. and then take it for ourselves and then mind wipe her. So as these regenerations go, she has no clue to any of this happens. So the master has to come in, big hero, the master, to reveal <laughs> all of this to the 13th doctor. This is who you actually were. They stole this from you. They're so evil. I'm not the evil one here. They are. And there's, there's plenty more. So that's where the Time Lords get their regeneration from, is they stole it from this creature who really didn't have a name, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly. Yeah. That has no origin point. So in the process of trying to explain the origins of the Time Lords, they also create more questions in all of this, which I'm not a fan of, as we've spoken before. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, this was not what I would have done. I'll put I it am, that way. I am all for mystery in your ending. I'm all for some kind of like a vague, like you can leave us wondering kind of stuff. I'm not for doing that with your with your origin. Like, I, I think it can work really well. If you have a solid beginning and you leave us wondering what happens next and you make us wonder what was the right or wrong thing. Like, I think story can be done really well with ambiguity as an ending. Ambiguity as your beginning makes you not have any idea what's going on at all. The entire rest of the story. And if your story, no matter how your story ends, you're still like, okay, but does that even make sense? Because I don't even know how this started. And that that infuriates me, actually. Um, Yes. 
But, these are questions fans are going to have. Like, well, where did the Time Lords come from? Where, who uh, was the first Doctor? The first Doctor, like, was the Brain yeah. of Morbius actually, you know, talking about this? Was it something else? And uh, yeah. you get into this whole thing of like, yeah, I want answers. Like, as someone who really likes giving people answers when it comes to questions I pose in books, yeah. it's like, hey, I'm not going to like leave you hanging. I'm going to actually build it up along the way. I appreciate when writers do that when it's done <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I will say, I'm going to talk about some of the positive aspects of this. Um, Go for it. One, personally, one of the things I love about the Doctor Who movie is they kind of suggest or show or straight say, I don't remember, that the Doctor is half human, which is why yes. he cares about Earth, which actually is a really good explanation for why he cares about Earth. And now we have the ability for that to kind of make sense. Maybe he was a human that fell in the time-space vortex or matrix, and that is how the first Time Lord occurred. I'll accept that answer given how River Song was a was created because River Song was a human that was just born in the Matrix and that's why she became a Time Lord. So there's some precedent that could actually be interesting. We'll understand why the Doctor wants, likes Earth so much. Cool. I'll take that if they explain it. If they don't explain it, I'll just be mad forever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to see more positive stuff. I also think it does add to some of the evil of Rassilon because now when we go back, we we know. Um, yeah, no, Rassilon didn't just discover the the Matrix one day and decide, hey, this is a thing. He discovered a young child who had fell through the Matrix and realized what it was and subjected uh -huh. a child and extracted something from them and took their identity away and everything. I mean, even though it didn't seem like it had much of an identity, still like robbing them of all the memories, robbing them of everything. Like that does make Rassilon far more evil. And um, you mentioned the Master earlier. For those who don't know, Master is also a Time Lord. He's usually the, the main antagonist to the, the Doctor. And what's interesting is the Master is also the main antagonist to the Time Lords, which is why the Doctor and the Time Lords relationship is really interesting because the Master is, let's tear down the establishment. Let's destroy everything. He's just, he's evil. You know, he wants to be in yes. control. And the best way to be in control is to destroy what's there. And him going against that, obviously, the Time Lord wanting to be those who are in control and doing all this puts him at odds with them most of the time. Not all, but most. Um, which is interesting because the Doctor also isn't really friends with them because they're trying to lord over and control people. They're just trying to do it with what's already established in there. So the Doctor is kind of neither. So you see both versions of like evil predestination and evil anti-authoritarianism and you see the doctor is just kind of like hey what if just freedom that could work <laughs> um which is why he was which is why he could have it's weird he also makes a terrible present he was president of earth once and gallifrey and uh he doesn't really do anything with it because he just kind of wants to do yes. his own thing um that's neither here nor there but that's where I do see the, the Timeless Child making interesting impact to the lore of the beginning of time and the beginning of the Time Lords because it implies a lot of what the High Council and Rassilon did that makes them more evil that could potentially in the future make the Master a little bit more sympathetic because you're like, you know what? I think I might be okay with the Master just destroying all the High Council. Well, if you want my answer for how things should have gone, you need to go to Captivate because we'll be discussing that. I think there's a way to fix this <laughs> while keeping what they want to an extent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, we do a bonus question for all of our major episodes. And at the end of this episode, our bonus question is going to be, was there a way to make this more palatable? <laughs> so hang in there for now. Let's go to the last point uh, when we're talking about cosmology and origins being the origin of Earth. Um, at least twice. I know the fourth doctor at one point travels back to the beginning of Earth and sees it just as a big ball of amino acids. 
the tenth Doctor, my personal favorite, David Tennant. I don't want to see. Um, <laughs> he he travels back to when we see kind of the moon splitting from Earth and like the beginnings of the Big Bang because giant spider aliens were obviously there at the beginning of our Earth, hidden, waiting for them to yeah, approach. The core just waiting. And what's, yeah. what's crazy is that that storyline we all accept is like, yeah, that made perfect sense. Timeless child, no, how dare you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, you want to unpack some of these stories, um, what you thought of them before we get into what you think of the Big Bang? Yeah, um, I'm okay. Is that the Runaway Bride is where we find those spiders were always there <laughs> when we first meet Donna? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm fine with that because it's dealing with the consequences of the time war. So what would be the perfect place for an alien race who thought they should – everyone thinks is extinct to show up? Oh, the one planet the Doctor always protects – Mm. What safer place could there be for us to hide away? No one's looking for us than the formation of the earth itself. I think that's a brilliant Ooh. strategy. Ooh, that, uh, <sighs> okay. You guys know, I, I try my best not to do the Jesus in every corner kind of thing. Like I, that's not me, but you just made me think of how often do our enemies escape us because we're busy protecting the church rather than looking inward and examining mm. ourselves. So many what I would just straight up say is evil pastors, you know, people who've done stuff to children, sex offenders, et cetera, are hidden in our church. Why? Because the church is the most protected place and the place they have the easiest access to people. Mm -hmm. All right. Side. Sorry. That just it made me think of that. And I was like, oh, man, that's um, that's a lot deeper than I I've ever thought disagree. of it. Because usually I'm just like, yep, OK, spiders were there at the beginning. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, monsters uh, hiding where we are because we protect our own. That's a real thing. And I don't remember much about the fourth Doctor's visit there. Uh, he's my second favorite Doctor. I should know more. It's just been forever since I've watched those. Yeah. I See, oh, this was interesting. I, in my mind, you were going to be more – once we get to the theology part, which is what we're doing now, I, I feel like, I felt like you would be more accepting of the fourth Doctor scene that Earth was basically a bunch of amino acids rather than the big bang to me i feel like the amino acids and everything growing from that makes more sense within your theological time frame um let's mm -hmm. uh okay i'm just gonna put this out there i am one yeah, of those yeah. uh old earth creationary creation evolutionist i guess i'm very not strong on my opinions on this i can be wrong and i acknowledge it um christian is one of the the Bible is what it says. So things were created in seven days and evolution wasn't a thing. God created things. I, I think you say microevolution, but not macroevolution. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Macroevolution, I don't think. Ma micro, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Could you explain the difference really quick? Yeah. Macroevolution being changed from species to species over time. That'd be like, you know, uh, an ape becoming a Neanderthal, so on and so forth, or Homo erectus versus like a microevolution is genetic change over time. We can actually see happening. Like your basic example would be any science class you would have taken in high school <laughs> yeah. where you have a bunch of fruit flies or you have a bunch of bacteria that is resistant to something because these survived and passed on their genes to other ones and others did not, obviously. So that's something we can provably say happens. Yeah. Which um, always the reason this always plays for those who don't know, the reason this always plays part into young Earth or old Earth kind of stuff is if you're going to say the Earth is younger than, you know, billions of years old, millions of years old, whatever, then, yeah, my macro evolution couldn't have happened. If you're going to say it was billions of years old, then it makes very logical sense that micro evolution would eventually become macro evolution just given the time frame. Um, there's also the case of the Bible saying what it says and literalism and not literalism. Uh, as far as those things go, you, you're a young earth, right? 
Yes. Why? Well, when I look at the, what the Bible says, and when we're looking at the Hebrew words used there, it does seem to suggest heavily a, a younger earth when like literal days are used. Now, there's also, as I did talk about in Let Nothing Move You, there are ways you can use the word yom, mm-hmm. which is the word for day, in very different ways because Hebrew as a language, its vocabulary is kind of limited sometimes. So like the word itself will change like how it's pronounced and stuff, depending on who's talking about it, the actions being taken. So it could be like uh, a year. It could be like more than that. It could be like an, an event. But I typically go to the days being days. But I also kind of flip-flop on this, like I talked about there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we mentioned a day gap or age gap or whatever the heck it is. Like it could be there's a huge gap in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 or whatever. There's a huge gap probably between Genesis 2-24 and 3-1. Like how long are they in the garden? Were, were things like advancing while they were in the garden? Were they in there for billions of years while other stuff was happening outside of the garden? Or who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But like I, I tend to go more literal younger earth however the heck old it is i'm not a six thousand year old because i don't think that i think that's way too little of a time yeah but i think like fifteen thousand plus is about as far as i'm willing to go so i mean let's see i'm gonna throw out a few of the other arguments that exist um you guys know our stances other stances exist and we have a large team that's very varied on systematic ecology i don't know where all of our co-hosts are i know that we disagree wildly from christian to will um and everything in between <laughs> who teased me several times at Comic-Con <laughs> yeah, about that was this. Pretty funny. <laughs> but um one theory that that's pretty common um tim keller uh rest in peace love the guy great theologian he believed that genesis one was poetry so he was able to read that literally as poetry and still read genesis two as literal and poetry and you know not poetry and say everything from Genesis 2 on in the history of Genesis was for real, and Genesis 1 was poetry and maintained an old earth that way and still believed in creation, era, creation evolutionist kind of kind of stuff. Um, that's not my take. I just don't believe the Bible needs to be literal. Um, although I do think Genesis 1 doesn't really look like poetry. It looks like a far more ancient genre than poetry. It was definitely written at a different time than the rest of Genesis, in my opinion. It just The actual words and language and syntax is just so wildly different. It's just hard to believe it was written at the same time. Um, just my personal belief. Um, well, you know, some people will say that, you know, there's the day age theory that you mentioned, the gap thing. So definitely check out Christian's podcast to learn more about some of the other views. His stance is that. Mine is more, yeah, God used evolution he created everything i think the moral of the story usually depends and we, we talked about this on whole church usually has more to do with how the, their story is similar to other religious stories of their time so it wasn't the first creation story written it was written after others and it mimics a lot of them very closely with some key differences usually the difference is revolving around how humans are valued and how women are valued and um, I think those are really important and also if you kind of compare it to Egyptian gods you see this very clear um, yeah, our God is greater than their gods kind of thing if you go through some of these other mythologies. So check that out. Listen to more of the, our other shows to hear of our theological opinions, but that's not why we're here today. Um, giving our time frame, for me, someone who believes in evolution and all that kind of stuff, okay, cool. Um, I don't necessarily believe it for certain, but you know, I'm, I think it's most likely the truth. For you, who don't believe in any of that, is it ever difficult watching these shows that are like, yeah, so the doctor went back a million years and this is absolutely what happened. <laughs> Big bang. It used to. But now I know how Hollywood works, even though you know, this is a British program, it's still yeah. the same kind of system in place. 
I look at who the writer is. I go, okay, they believe this, this, and this. Well, therefore, they're not going to think like Christian Ashley does. You know, not every person's supposed to think the same way I do anyways, and that's better for the world. So I know looking in, they're not going to think what I do. So I just say whatever, watch what I'm presented with. I'll have my disagreements and move on with my life. Yeah. I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting just at one point when I was more conservative and believed more literal, I, I would have had a hard time because I was kind of taught that these people are attacking the Bible and attacking God and that's what they're doing. Now I know that that's not true. A lot of them are friendly to Christian or some people are like myself now even are Christian and still believe these things. And, you know, if I wrote it, I probably would still have the big bang happen. But that's not because I'm like, oh, I'm going to show Christian a thing or two, believing in a younger, you know, like that's not what it's about. It's just this is what we believe about time. So that's what we're going to portray in our fiction writing. Yeah. Yes, it's it's not meant to be an attack. I especially with Doctor Who, because there are times where there are religious aspects and they kind of get into some of it and they're never really disrespectful to the idea of God or anything. I feel like um, although the devil might be a space alien trapped near a black hole um, <laughs> uh, for more on that, go to our Patreon. Um, so uh, I, I do want to before we, we wrap this up, these stories, it wrestles with whether the doctor was the first to discover the time matrix or whether it was discovered by a high council or someone more evil. And and it kind of wrestles with, as you know, I'm sure there's a lot of retcons, a lot of different things that the writers thought about time. And, and it keeps going Did time start with a benevolent being like the doctor. Did it start with some evil will to control everything? Um, and, and they just keep going back and forth on this. Uh, Christian, I think a lot of us do think about these things. Why do we tend to attribute either good or evil forces to the beginning of time? Why can't we just, you know, time, time was a thing. Well, from the Christian perspective, God is good. So him making something makes it inherently good. Like he calls it explicitly good several times over in Genesis. So when I look at that from a Christian lens, I go, okay, there is a purpose to this. There's something God finds loving and good about everything that he created. Then from other sources, when you don't really have that kind of same hope in your life that, you know, there's someone out there looking for you who loves you, who made you, it's kind of easy to see one, the chaos of all this. I don't know if, if we have, however we all came here, whether it was evolutionary or if, you know, an alien race created us or something like that, or if we're just living in a matrix somewhere, Mm -hmm. I can see how (laughs) you get very cynical and go, hmm. The evil is uh, in the world, therefore existence is evil. Well, yeah, yeah. this is <laughs> this is funny because uh, our, our differences in belief on some of the Bible stuff. I think the Bible even disagrees with this sometimes. Um, and I'm interested in your response on this. But, you know, there are places in the Bible where he says the day is evil. And he's straight up saying, like, yeah, the time we're given, it sucks, man. Um, yeah, And we, we see places like that. We see places where, um, and this I think we both agree on that. All humans are now born evil at heart. Mm-hmm. And yet we know that God created us good. So there is this struggle of how am I born evil if we're all created good and God formed me in the womb so he knew I'd exist. But why would he create something evil in the womb? You know, like there is this kind of tension even in the biblical narrative, I feel like. Yeah. Well, that's simply because of how we started versus how we ended up. And we get that in the garden with, you know, taking of the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that introduces sin into the world and now humans are corrupted by that change so therefore we are born you know evil in the fact that we know not god that we don't serve him that we serve our own will instead and some people will eventually come to him some won't so yeah you can see it as evil in light of what should have been where we should have stayed yeah and i am i'm like a soft universalist so that's another one we kind of disagree on because i, I think that god is slowly saving everything <laughs> 
Um, so, so if I were to give a thing, I, I would say before Christ, time itself became evil because everything has temporal parts. You know, I don't think that time is some separate thing from everything. I think every single thing has its own temporal parts. So if everything was corrupted by sin, everything had that effect of evil, then yeah, time's evil because it's just a temporal part of all the other things that are already evil. Um, but then Jesus and the way that I read verses in like first Corinthians where it says just the same way that all fell from Adam, all will be saved from Christ. I take that to mean that all will be saved by Christ. Um, and again, I go back and forth on this a lot. So, hey, take this with a grain of salt um, because, you know, I also think God punishes evil. And what does that look like in context of Jesus saving everything? I don't know, man. But I, I do believe that there is a redemptive nature, not just to our own self, because, you know, if you read uh, different verses in Isaiah and stuff, like all of creation is going through birthing pains and moaning. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that God is recreating everything back in his image. What does that look like? What does that mean? I don't know. But I know that I, I believe that at point, everything was evil, including the temporal parts of all things. And I think that God will bring all things back to himself, including the temporal parts of things. But that's because I don't believe in time. So <laughs> again, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, you have anything else you wanted to add before we uh, wrap this up into our bonus question really quick? I'm good. All right. So guys, uh, if you enjoyed our random theology mumbo jumbo combined with Doctor Who mumbo jumbo and spiders and time, <laughs> subscribe to our, our show on Captivator Patreon, um, Amazon Ministries Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts as well. For one final question, we're going to talk about whether there's a way to make the Timeless Child storyline good. And by us, I mean, I'm just going to ask Christian because he has an idea and I don't. I think it just sucks. Um, so... <laughs> With that, uh, recommendations, uh, my recommendation is going to be the same that I gave for our, um, our North Carolina Comic Con. I still just think people need to read Middle West by Scotty Young. It is just so freaking good. Um, yeah. Christian, what you got? Recommendations. Well, if you want a little more lighthearted take on time travel, just Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's low <laughs> stakes. Yeah. They're just taking people from time just to help pass their history stuff. It's it's a fun ride. Yeah, also play Killer Bunnies. There's several Doctor Who cards, including a Tom Baker carrot. Um, <laughs> uh, guys, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. You know, I, I prefer Podchaser personally if you're going to rate where I want you to. But if you're just listening on Spotify, you just want to hit that five star real quick, that'd be sick. Um, this is a part of a series. So make sure, again, if you want to hear all of our origin and cosmology episodes, you can go down to the show notes. That playlist will be there and you can see the whole series. Subscribe to our YouTube for some extra content that's not available on this podcast feed you're listening to, like our comic book ketchup or manga mustard and drinks with Tejas. Of course, remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.